Hello, you lovely lot, and welcome to the Independent Spouse Podcast. I'm Jess Sands, founder of The Independent Spouse and current military wife running my own business, Design Jessica, from our Marie Quarter. Each week, I'll be bringing you inspiring interviews that go behind the scenes of an amazing business, charity or project created by someone also living the military life. Today, I am talking to the completely amazing Alicia. If you've been watching The Heist on Sky One, you'll probably recognise Alicia as the no-nonsense-talking, highly-skilled detective. But there is so much more to this military spouse than that. In this very open interview, Alicia shares her experiences of working as a police constable whilst her husband was deployed, and how PTSD has affected their life since his return. We'll also get a behind-the-scenes look at The Heist, and how she helps run her own company, Elite Air Imagery, and of course her work to support families of Royal Marines also suffering with PTSD. This episode is jam-packed full of resilience and inspiration and is a must-listen for any spouse who is living this military life. I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, Alicia. It is so lovely to talk to you today. Hi, Jess. Hello. Um, so most people probably know you from Sky One's The Heist, but there's so many more things that you've been doing. You're a very busy lady. So could you tell us a little bit about what you're up to at the moment? So um, at the moment, uh, we the heist came out in December. So there's lots of work off of the back of that in terms of social media engagement and things. And my husband and I also run a drone and videography business. So he's like the creative genius and I'm just essentially a glorified bookkeeper and secretary. And I do all the PR and marketing for that. So I run lots of Facebook and Instagram pages for the drone stuff and pretty pictures. I've also just come off of a security risk management course. So I'm gaining my qualifications towards that, which will hopefully then lead me on to an MBA. And also series two of The Heist has just been recommissioned. So we will be going ahead with filming and preparation for that in the next few months. So we spoke before this interview, uh, I've done a little bit of research about you and looked at your background and you spent 10 years in the police, which is ultimately what led you on to being on The Heist. Could you tell us a little bit about your police background? Yeah, so I joined Avon and Somerset Constabulary in 2008 and served for well, officially nine years and 11 months. It was a fantastic job. I absolutely loved my job, but it's not an easy career to have when you've got young children and a partner in the military. Um, I actually joined as a single parent of one. And I guess my career was just plagued with um, children with poor health, me with poor health, and then more recently, my husband with poor health. So juggling family life, shift work, um, trying to keep your sort of professional qualifications up to date, commuting to and from work from shifts, it all just gets too much every now and again and it's not one of the easiest jobs in terms of it's not stress-free let's put it like that so it's difficult and after 10 years I guess it all just got a little bit too much I did have a couple of my own mental health breakdowns whilst serving as well so sadly it was just something I couldn't maintain anymore and I'm over it now you know I don't grieve for the career that I've lost because it's led on to some other wonderful things but for a long time I was really sad that it just wasn't going to be forever and is it do you think do you think it was your husband's job and the fact that it isn't quite as flexible as you know absolutely I mean he was always either deployed or stationed elsewhere and I didn't move around with him whenever he moved units because because of my job so it's very difficult to stick to 
finding childcare, for example, he wasn't around, so I couldn't rely on him for childcare. I didn't have any family that were local to me to rely on for childcare. And you work in like a 10 week shift rotation, so it would never be, for example, every Tuesday night. So A, affording childcare for at the time it was two young children, and B, finding someone that would be able to always have the children left me having to reduce my hours at work. But just because you reduce your hours, it doesn't really reduce um, the amount of work that you take on and the amount of crimes that you manage. And then things like if you get a call from school to say, you know, your child's bumped their head or they've been sick, I would literally just have to try and drop everything, drive the hour commute back home again and find somebody to take over my work. And that's obviously really difficult for your colleague because you're not a reliable team member. And that does create tension within the team, which ultimately I I went through and it didn't do me any favours with with, um, my relationships with my colleagues at work or my bosses. So it was, I do understand exactly why that happened, but it did make my life very difficult. This time your husband was operational? Yeah. So um, when we first got together, I was still working full-time shifts on a response team um, and he went off for a tour of Afghanistan. And um, as I'm sure you'll know, and anyone else listening to this, you kind of rely on the whole mobile constantly in your hands. And if you miss a call, you're absolutely heartbroken because you know that it might have just been a satellite phone and you won't hear again for two weeks. If the phone rings and you know it's them and you can't answer it because you're in custody with a prisoner, for example, you just feel absolutely broken. I mean, I think we spoke sort of like probably on average about once every three weeks and we could have spoken a lot more if it wasn't fact that I was so busy at work all the time. Once he got back, he then went off on various different training courses and deployments within the UK. So it's just consistently never really being able to speak to him and never being in the same place at the same time. And he came back and it was it was what sounds like quite a tough tour. And am I right in thinking that he started to show the signs of PTSD? Yes, that's right. He'd already been on two tours of Afghanistan and his third tour, he went out slightly later as he'd had a break to his ankle. So he went out as a battle casualty replacement. But before he went out, he ended up doing a mixture um, of 12 repatriations and funerals of his colleagues. And those back to back, literally weekly repatriations up at Royal Wooden Bassett or, or funerals really started kind of his downward spiral. Then he went out as a battle casualty replacement for one of his friends who'd lost their life. And when he came back, he sadly lost his father to cancer. So it was literally like he was hit with one thing after another. He became very, very reliant on me. And I couldn't always be there because of the shift work. And it caused a massive strain on our relationship as well, because when he needed me the most, I couldn't be there. And what do you would you think for anybody listening, if they have found themselves in a similar situation? Is there anything that you would suggest? Or is there anything that you could recognise that might show that somebody might have PTSD? So his his behavior I mean, he's in the royal marines so there's like this whole kind of like drinking culture and ethos of being royally and it's okay to turn to alcohol because it does numb the pain and i completely get that but um there is a fine line between drinking socially to try and numb the pain and having a laugh and drinking to excess so i'd say that was one of the first sort of key signs for me and then the other things like not being able to deal with everyday stresses that most of us could take on and either park and deal with it at a more sensible time or deal with quite easily. So very easily stressed by things like crowds in supermarkets or things not working at home, something breaking at home and completely flipping out, even though it, in, to an everyday person, it would be something you should be able to manage. And that, that did go on for a number of years before he was ready to admit that he needed help. And um, how did he do that? What did he do? Well, unfortunately, he 
had a full mental health breakdown. So in November 2016, we were in a very lucky position that he, when he had his breakdown, he was out with um, a number of friends who contacted me immediately. I was actually seven months pregnant with our third child and I hadn't worked for about six months. Initially, I was off sick and then I turned that into a period of unpaid leave so that I could give myself a bit of space. And when he had his breakdown, we, I was lucky again, the local constabulary actually ended up bringing him home. And that's quite, a, I think, a normal thing to happen on a military housing estate. We didn't live behind the wire. We were um, just on in married quarters outside and they brought him home. They were really sweet. And they said, you know, we found him in town in this, in this state. Do you need any help, etc., etc. Luckily, I've got lots of mental health training, understand mental health, having had my own breakdown. And at that point, that was the point of no return. And he then accepted that he needed help and it was the next day that I sort of um, frog marched him into the welfare office at his um, his local unit. And do you think that is the lowest point that you have been at? Because it sounds like you're quite a proactive person and from your experience with the police and with your mental health experience you sort of knew what to do but was there any point where you like I just I'm lost I'm stuck I don't know what to do and how did you turn that around? I I don't think that was at my lowest point. It was definitely his. But I am one of those people that just kind of cracks on with everything and gets through the hard times and keeps the plate spinning and spinning and spinning. And I fill up my stress bucket to the point where it's overflowing and I don't deal with it because I'm so practical. Because I was seven months pregnant and I had two other children to worry about as well, I just kind of took it all on board and I become very practical in a crisis. And that's probably why I made a good police officer, why I will hopefully make a good security risk manager and why I coped well with the transition into the heist because I just kind of get on with things. It's afterwards when everything's going smoothly and the dust settles that my cracks then start to show. I just felt like at the time I, I needed to support him so I, I just couldn't lose it because he needed me to be there for him. Not many other people were aware within sort of close family members of how to deal with it and to be honest his work didn't deal with it in the best way possible so it was really all down to me so I had to hold things together. And this is quite a common thing. Um, we've seen in the news recently that PTSD is, it's more widespread than I think anybody expected. You set up a support group for Royal Marines families. So if there is anybody out there that thinks they're at the early stages of trying to help their partner with PTSD, what would you say to them and how can they get some help? I think the most important thing, first of all, is that a lot of us are used to hearing through bouts of, I hate to call it bad behaviour, but I guess that's the only sort of phraseology that really suits. In terms of bad behaviour, post bad behavior I was so used to hearing don't tell anybody I'll get in trouble at work you constantly hear you can't go to welfare I'll lose my job that is absolutely not the case but obviously there's also a fine line between getting help for your partner and getting making them worse because you've sought help so it's kind of knowing them well enough to know when enough is enough and also getting them to open up to their other colleagues who are also in a similar situation because then that opens the door also to you being able to support and help uh, the other partners. My husband kept his breakdown and his PTSD very quiet for about the first eight months. He was housebound, he was very agoraphobic, didn't want to go out anywhere and didn't want to talk about it or admit to it. But two years post that, he now helps a lot of other people with with PTSD in his situation or friends that he recognises the signs in. And I also reach out to their partners. But if anyone out there is listening to this and wants help, at the moment, because um, I am very busy, I 
I always do my best to help everybody. I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, but I'm trying to concentrate on the wives and partners and getting help for their children with my friend Helen. So we've set up a group on Facebook called Royal Marines Partners PTSD Support. That should be come up as a search on Facebook. We are linked in with Royal Marines Charity who are offering to provide funding for welfare support and counselling. Um, we've had a couple of ladies who've agreed to go forward with that and we found the process really smooth and really easy. So we're trying to get away from this whole stigma of not being able to approach work and we're kind of the middleman for want of a better word so that they can come to us. We can offer peer support. You know, I'm not trained to deal with PTSD. I keep, I've only got my story to go on, but that peer support is really important so that they feel like, oh my God, I can't talk to anyone about this, nobody understands. We're trying to get rid of that feeling and then we can help guide them towards the right sort of crisis assistance. And it sounds like it's a very important group that you're running there and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it and will need that sort of, you know, support because sometimes it's all focused around the serving personnel, but actually it's the spouses and the families that really look after them and are there and are living it. And to have somebody like you that has gone through a little bit of it that can help them talk their same language and be there when they need it is really important. Yeah, well, I think the thing that I struggled with, and I, it's, I would say it's in no way a reflection on the actual people that were involved in the welfare process. It's more of a lack of understanding on their part and perhaps slightly archaic MOD thinking in that, ooh, why are the wives interfering? But unfortunately for, for them, I am an interfering wife and for good reasons. But I ended up being given a piece of paper from the welfare officer that they had Googled for to see what help was available for me. And it was just the local children's centre who thought I was absolutely bonkers when I called them and wondered what on earth they could do to help. So I had to find my own way. I had to approach people who I knew had already gone through this. And slowly but surely, we built up this huge list of crisis contact of all the charities that are out there for just to listen, um, military charities, non-military charities, charities that will give grants and fundraising. And that kind of spiraled out of control a little bit. But it's it created this wonderful support network where you don't just have to go to this one particular place and beg for help. There's lots of options out there. And I'm in personal contact with all of them so that they know that there is somewhere reliable to seek assistance. Which is also really important because it's not connected to their home base. So it's a, an independent community that is supported by all these charities and it means that you've got that distance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I don't hold the welfare officers responsible, but it is a shame that they didn't know what to do with somebody like me in a time of crisis. And I think they thought they were trying to help but that help certainly wasn't good enough. And it didn't work for me. But luckily, I was in a space where I was being proactive. And I, I just never want anyone else to go through what I had to go through. Because there are people out there that aren't necessarily as strong or as proactive as me through no fault of their own. And I just want to be able to scoop them all up and give them a guiding hand. Which is just brilliant. And it's so important because, you know, just to have somebody to signpost you in the right direction at your time of need could be crucial. So you're running this support community you are on the heist which is amazing you are running a drone business you also have a family military life always gets in the way of everything how on earth are you finding the time to do all these things well I, I say I'm in quite a fortunate position at the moment where my husband's in a full-time rehab unit so uh, he's he is actually being medically discharged in October so we're just kind of preparing for that a little bit at the moment and it, for the first time ever we're actually living together in the same house which took a little bit of getting used to but it's great so he's around 
around to put the children to bed every night. He's actually building on his relationship with them, which is just so important because he's never had a chance to do that before. So I get downtime in the evenings because I'm not now running around like an idiot trying to put washing on, making lunch boxes for school and stuff like that. He's now around to help me do that. So I guess I'm probably, I'm a bit of a night owl, so I'm more productive in the evenings. That's when I get like the work done. In the daytime's just, I, I lose track of every hour, but evenings are my best time. And tell us about the heist. I'm quite intrigued about the heist and what happens in the background, if you're allowed to tell us anything, because I know that there's a few people that have watched it and love it. Well, the last series is obviously the first one, so it's a bit of a groundbreaking um, new area for Sky and, and Shine TV who produce it. They've never used so many cameras and so many crew on one programme before. They ended up filming 3,000 hours of footage just to make six hours of TV. So the whole process is just phenomenal that you literally, myself and my partner, we were um, field investigators. So we were out on the ground in a car, driving around, putting covert and overt surveillance on people, um, getting people in, interviewing them, etc. So um, we had a cameraman in the back of our car. We had a GoPro facing us inside the car. We had another car that would follow us around constantly with another cameraman in it. And then there were cameras all over the office. And then that whole production was doubled and kept separate for the thieves side as well. So we could never interact, never the two shall meet, so to speak. So they had their own separate production. They stayed across the other side of the town and we actually never bumped into them once. So um, watching it back actually was really funny because we never really knew what went on behind the scenes with the thieves until we watched it. And it was hilarious to see what they got up to when we weren't around. And there's going to be a series two that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So they're just, um, it's just becoming official now because they've um, put the adverts out for a few more detectives. So anyone out there fancy their chances, they're looking for intel analysts and detectives. And yeah, so we don't know where it is yet. We don't know when it's going to be on. We don't know what the theme is going to be. But series two will be filmed later in the year. Oh, it's so exciting. I can't wait. So just spinning on its head, going back to communities and military spouses. There is an amazing community online of military spouses that have got each other's back, looking after each other. Is there anybody in particular that has really inspired you? I'd say Facebook saved my life, really. I'd spent so much time during my downtime, stuck in the house with children, no husband around. And I joined the Royal Marines Wife Support Network and made friends there. But some, some of them I still haven't met now, but some of them I've met just recently, who I've been friends with online for about eight years. And those girls really have kind of saved my life, you know, it takes a village to raise a child and in my last patch it was fantastic the girls were great with my children when I wasn't around they were and then my best friend as well Polly who runs Be Glad Movement she's a massive inspiration to me and a great support and we've been best friends since we were 15 she ended up marrying my husband's best friend so she's now a military wife as well as my best friend oh I love Polly I spoke to her the other day and she is on this series and that is also a good episode Um, and she says lovely things about you as well (laughs) I paid her too (laughs) Um, and what she's doing with the Be Glad movement is just brilliant and you were on that and I have been on it as well so everybody needs to go out and listen to well and listen and watch Polly's brilliant movement so we are coming towards the end and I drag some of my poor guests through the quick fire questions so brace yourself are you ready yes let's go for it first one 
which has always been the same, is who would you most like to see on the Independent Spouse podcast? Oh, I think I'd like to see, no, not, in, I can't name a person, but I'd really like to see a male spouse of a, of a female serving member of the military because um, they just, they're kind of, they hide in the shadows a little bit. And I'm wondering whether they go through what we go through as, as female kind of spouses. So it would be really interesting to hear a, a perspective of a male spouse. Yeah, it really would. And just so for the record, I don't always pick women. I just, they, I can't find them. They've hidden themselves away. Yeah, they do. Um, they hide in the shadows. They do. I need to, I need to hunt one down and interview them. Okay, the, the next one, which my husband complains if I don't ask it, so I'm now having to ask it. What is the best present that you've got back from a deployment? Ooh, I think perfume because it's not something that I'd ever treat myself to. It's so much cheaper when they buy <laughs> buy it duty free from abroad, um, and it's just one of those things that's timeless and it never runs out. I'm a bit stingy sometimes, so yeah, definitely perfume. Perfume, yeah, we'll put that on the list. He's gonna need more perfume. <laughs> So the third one is what is the most courageous thing that you have done in any of your projects? Oh, that's a tricky one. I think being a police officer obviously involves a lot of courage. Um, you tend to act before you think, oh my God, what am I doing? So just things like talking people down from the side of buildings or bridges. I mean, that was always a big one for me and it will stay with me for a long time because it, obviously if you lose them, it's something that you, the visual image you can't get rid of, but you only ever really assess it after you've done it. You don't think at the time, my god this is scary so I think yeah that's that's probably one of the most courageous anything that I've done in terms of kind of chasing burglars at night on my own in the middle of nowhere that kind of thing's pretty scary but not at the time just afterwards you realize what could have gone wrong and this isn't a quite fair question at all but do you look at life in a different way to how you used to because running through you know an alleyway after a burglar in the middle of the night is something that I would never dream of doing and I'm not brave and I'm not courageous but I know that for me when my husband's been operational it's been rubbish but when he comes back little things aren't really important anymore so the little you know the car breaks down it's not really a problem the washing up's not done not really a problem and it's changed the way I think of my life so has that is it the same for you has it had the same effect yeah, it is. I mean, I don't mean to belittle anyone that's not a military spouse, but I'd say my circle, my close circle, definitely is all military because they get it. And like you said, it is the little things that really don't matter. So I struggle to relate to people having a hard time with the little things. Not that I would take that away from them, but I just personally can't relate because, you know, my world has literally been upside down with my husband being suicidal and my kids being unwell and the dog dying and losing my job and going from two incomes to one and, you know, just family ill health all at the same time and then you know you hear somebody upset perhaps because their car's broken down and you just can't quite relate to it so yeah absolutely yeah I'm the same I read a what are they you know the inspirational quotes that you put on Facebook and Instagram I'm all over and it said I am not defined by my scars but by my ability to heal and I think that's a really good way of sort of just just getting through the crummy times knowing that you've been there before and it's been really really bad and actually you can get through it and you can survive yeah. it you build in a thicker skin and that's not necessarily a good thing but it certainly helps with your resilience and like I said I'm really really good in a crisis I've always kept a cool head in a crisis um, um, it's just one of those things that I did long before I was a police officer and that's how I knew that the job was for me but it certainly 
could potentially have a negative effect on you and that's why it's good to keep talking and you know recognize when you're having a hard time with your own mental health and deal with that effectively before it creeps up on you and then starts to destroy you yeah which is important because you can't look after everybody else if you've not looked after yourself properly yeah so then back into the quick five questions the very last one is if you could give one piece of advice to a military spouse out there who is starting a new project then what would it be when it's dark look for the stars because uh, it will always be dark at some point it's so difficult when you're starting something new and you're kind of filled with the fear of the unknown and you're dealing with the day-to-day life drama as well as the expectation to do that you put on yourself to do well that there's moments of darkness but then there is always positivity within that darkness as long as you can deal with it find the good and the bad it allows you to move on so yeah when it's dark look the stars oh it's such a good message no it's true um and harps back to going through those challenging times. Alicia, you are all over the social media, so could you please tell us how we can find you? On Twitter, I am at Alicia Louise one On Instagram, I think I'm Alicia underscore Louise. And on Facebook, I also have a public page called Alicia Louise. So any one of those combinations usually end up with me or the singer Pink because she has the same name. I'm the same spelling. I did not hear that. That was brilliant. Um, and if we want to find your uh, community for Royal Marines, how can we find that? On Facebook, if you search RM Partners PTSD Support, it should come up. If not, I'm happy for anyone to message me and I will send the link. Alicia, it's been so good to talk to you. You are, um, well, tough. You are one tough cookie and you have survived so many things that I just don't think anybody else could manage. So fair play to you. Well done for working so hard. Congratulations on the heist. It's going to be a brilliant second series and I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, Jess. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it and it has inspired you. Please subscribe so that you can have access to each episode as soon as it's released. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found me. It really helps spread the word so that more lovely people like you can listen to the episodes. Thank you so much for listening along. Um, I'll be back soon with another inspiring episode. See you then.